Welcome to the Breach Podcast, a Charlie Mike production. I'm Ty Braxton, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen in today. I discuss issues surrounding us and how to build our faith and strengthen our walk with the Lord. I want to provide you with tools so that you can Charlie Mike. Charlie Mike is better understood as continue mission, and I want you to be able to Charlie Mike in your own mission field. And before we get started, hit the like button, subscribe, and hit the bell notification so you can be notified of future videos that I post. And also check out our shop. The link will be in the description below. And if you'd like to partner with me and donate, that information will be in the description as well. So over the past few months, I've had a number of people ask me to do videos exposing people. And I've also had people ask me to do a video on my testimony, which I thought I had already shared, but I apologize that I have not shared it. I've only shared certain points of my testimony throughout a number of podcasts. And I've also been asked who I follow and who influences me. So I'm going to cover all these topics and I will be exposing the men listed in the title to you, but not as those in error, but as those leaders that should seriously be exposed to you as someone to learn from as I have done. And they have helped me grow. And when I say grow, I don't mean just growth through knowledge, but growth through application in your daily walk. So I want to go ahead and make it perfectly clear that I do not do exposed videos because I do not want to be the reason for any kind of division within the body of Christ. But I do want to expose these men as resources for you to go learn and to be challenged and help you in your daily walk. They cover a number of topics and they each bring something specific and unique to the ministry of Jesus Christ. But before I dive in, I want to point out that Christ did not ask the disciples to follow what they did not know to be true, but through obedience, his disciples could not follow Jesus without learning truth. We can find this in John seven seventeen. It says, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whatever it is from God, or whether I speak on my own authority. Now, I want to go ahead and expose the men that are listed in the title as men who walk in the authority of God. There will not be agreements with every single topic in the Bible, but these men have counted the cost, which Jesus brought up to those in Scripture who said they wanted to follow him. Now, many turned away. If you read the Bible, you'll see that many people turned away from Jesus because they refused to pay the cost, but Jesus still died for them. Even the disciples abandoned him at the cross, but when they received the Holy Spirit, the very same disciples who ran in fear, walked in the face of accusations, and dared death to try and stop the life they had in Christ. But poor death had no power over them even after their last breath. So will every ministry look the exact same? No. Will there be disagreements? Yes. Will there be false motives? Yes, these men do not have false motives. Listen to their testimonies, and I know these men weep for souls. But to the heresy hunters, I want to point out Philippians 1, 15 through 18. It says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? 
The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now, this is Paul speaking. So honestly, we need to stop the drama and we get it. Disagreements are not a platform to condemn unless another route to heaven is preached outside Jesus, outside of forgiveness that comes through repentance. Now, I'm not going to sit here and condemn those with false motives or those stirring up strife, but I would like to point out these things for correction. Here is why I do not condemn. Many don't understand their place in the kingdom, just as the various disciples that follow Jesus in person did not understand it. Now, I found this next section in the Master Plan of Evangelism by Dr. Robert E. Coleman. And I'll put it on the screen so you can take notes. It was hard for the disciples to accept the teaching of lowly servitude for the sake of others. You can find this in Luke 22, 24 through 30, John 13, 1 through 20. They bickered among themselves who would be greatest in the kingdom. Mark 9, 33 through 37, Matthew 18, 1 through 5, Luke 9, 46 through 48. James and John wanted to have the prominent places. Mark 10, 35 through 37, Mark 20, 20. And the other 10, displaying an envious spirit, were indignant about it. Mark 10, 41, Matthew 20, 24. They were unnecessarily harsh in their judgment on others who did not agree with them. Luke 9, 51 through 54. They were moved with indignation at parents who wanted Jesus to bless their children. Mark 10, 13. So we see that the disciples bickered amongst themselves and they had selfish motives. They had faults and they followed Jesus in person, yet they still had these faults. Jesus endured their shortcomings because they were willing to follow him. Now the men listed in the title follow Christ and love to the point to call out to the lost, the love of Christ. And there is a misconception about love in today's society. When darkness is called out, it is not condemnation, but it is out of love. Because if you truly love someone, you would not make their journey to hell comfortable, but you would try to get them to turn to a life of freedom in Christ. So to my pastors, my spiritual covering, who will remain nameless out of respect for their privacy, and those who I follow and who have a huge impact in my life and the life of my family, Isaiah, Ruslan, Pastor Alexander, Pastor Mike, Pastor Vlad, and John. I thank God for you, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. In verse 3 through 6, it says, I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I have exposed you for who you are, men of God, and I appreciate the military mentality you bring to the front line. And to clear all this up, I know exposed videos get clicks and follows and likes, but I'm not really concerned if you follow me or not, as long as you are exposed to the gospel. If I reach one person for the cause of Christ, I will consider all this gain. 
but I hope to help people experience the love of Jesus and help them walk out making disciples to reach others. So if you're not going to follow me, that's fine. Follow one of the men that I have exposed tonight to you so that you can learn and grow not only in knowledge, but in application in your life. So this kind of leads me into my testimony. I grew up in a Christian home and we read the Bible together. We prayed together. We went to church together. Every time the church doors were open, we were there. Um, and I became a Christian at age 11. June 17th, 1998 is my second birthday. And I remember weeping in a cabin at my summer camp with my counselor who led me to Jesus. I wanted everyone else to experience the same love that I experienced with Jesus. So I was solely mission focused. I uh, went on missions trips, many of them. I began to grow a desire to reach the lost through mass communication. So my plan was to go to the mission field after high school and college and help with radio stations and get the gospel preached over the airwaves in their native tongues. But I also had a desire to join the military. So I didn't really know how all this was going to work when I left high school, but I wanted to join the military and at least serve at four years. So I went on my first deployment to Iraq and there was a lot of combat. I'm not going to get into all the aspects of combat right now for the sake of time. That might be a later episode where I really dive in to different parts of my testimony. But I remember praying for people and talking to people about Jesus in the military. I was trying to reach these soldiers for Christ. The other soldiers would call me preacher because I would pray for them before every mission. I would pray for them in my private time. I had soldiers come into my room and I was only like 20 years old, but people were coming to my room asking questions about the Bible, about Jesus, about eternity, life after death. And I would share the gospel with them. Now I'm going to focus on one incident out of many, because we, we saw a lot of combat, but one attack stood out above all the rest, which changed my life for the worst. We were struck with a deep buried IED and this killed one of my friends who was put into my truck and bled out in my truck. This soldier was coming to my room asking me questions. I was trying to lead him to Christ and he was so close. I felt like he was so close and then he died in my truck. So I asked God, why did you put me here? Why did you allow me to talk to this person and then let death snatch him? off the face of the earth. I struggled with that for a while. When I came home, I wanted revenge on the enemy. Love had dissipated in my life, so I didn't understand what had happened. And honestly, I didn't want to understand because I was mad at God and I turned from God and I said, why am I even doing this thing if you're just going to pull the rug out from under me? Why are you going to allow this to happen? When I got home, I turned to alcohol. I fell into that stereotype of a soldier who drank his problems away. So I started drinking, never had a drop of alcohol in my life. At first, it was just to take my mind off of things. Then it was, I was having nightmares. So I was drinking to black out because if I blacked out, I couldn't dream or have nightmares. And... I was 
it turned into drinking a bottle of whiskey a night, a fifth of whiskey a night, just to quiet what was going on inside of my mind. I had this mentality that if something happened to any soldier overseas and I could play a part in stopping it from happening, but I didn't because I was at home, I would carry a guilt with me for the rest of my life. So I would volunteer for these deployments. I was home for four months in between the two Iraq deployments that I was on. And the second deployment was very uneventful for my platoon. So it was driving me crazy. But when I got home, I started drinking again because I was having the same issues with not being able to sleep, the nightmares, pain from bodily injury. So, of course, I medicated and tried to find peace at the bottom of a whiskey bottle to the point where I was actually having alcohol poisoning multiple times and I felt like I was going to die. I almost died. And there was a point where, honestly, I didn't want to wake up because I could not get rid of the terrors that were brought into my mind from the enemy. Of course, I lost the nickname Preacher. I turned from God. And while I was doing these things, there was still a fear in my mind of God to the point where I wouldn't claim him because I know everybody saw what I was doing and I did not want to attach that thing to the name of God. Now, I was having poor relationships out of my own fault. Most of the time, I was the one that was destroying the relationships because I couldn't even handle my own life. I was turning to all the wrong places for help and I just didn't know how to handle it. So I was looking for help from alcohol. I was looking for help from uh, bad relationships. I was craving the camaraderie from the military and deployments. So I just wanted to keep deploying. But there came a point where I was just wanting to get out of the Army altogether. And I was maybe two years out. And I started training up. Uh, a platoon and a squad and I became very attached to them and when we got our Warno order that we were going to Afghanistan I just could not go home and watch them leave so I signed a one-year extension to go with them to Afghanistan we were hit with a suicide vest in the coast province and it killed over 70 people some of my soldiers were included in that uh, some more were injured and when I was talking to the investigators uh, about where I was standing during the attack and things like that, one of the investigators told me, I can only explain this as an act of God. So he put that in his paperwork, but it got my attention. So when I got home, I was, I was drinking again in bad relationships, and I was wanting to go on a fourth deployment, but I had to do a full physical, and the VA who did the physical they were just like, look, man, you're unfit for duty. We know you've been hiding injuries, so you can deploy. We have found these injuries. They are documented, and they have progressively gotten worse. So you are unfit for duty, and you're going to be discharged. Then I got a call maybe a month later, and it was someone in the chain of command, and they said, look, we're not going to just discharge you. You're actually going to get retirement because your injuries are combat-related. And I had only been in for 10 years. I was failing as a leader at this point. Once I got the news that I was done, I started falling back 
in my role as a leader. And this is very hard for me because when I was walking up and down the hallways of the unit I was in, you could see the pictures of my soldiers on the wall and that I had carried off the battlefield because the army would start using words like peacetime. And I'm like, it's not peacetime. There are soldiers dying right now. So I was getting frustrated with the army. I was getting burdened with a reminder of what had happened overseas. And then when I started distancing myself, I was hurting my soldiers because I was not giving them the proper leadership. I, I felt like I had abandoned them because I was distancing myself from them so much that I knew I wasn't doing my job properly and I failed as a leader. I did not finish well. So if any of you are watching, I apologize. I just didn't know how to handle the situation. So when I got home, I met my wife and she got me into her church and I just broke down. The thing I had started to crave again, I couldn't find it, any church in the area. But when I went to this church, it was just flowing in the Holy Spirit and it was authentic. And it, it just awakened my mind to the things of God again. So I dropped, I dropped drinking. I dropped all these bad habits that I was dealing with my mindset. Um, I went on an encounter with the church. All this PTSD stuff was prayed over. No more nightmares. My mind was set free. Mind you, I'd already been a Christian, but there comes a point where you have to be set free and delivered, but you have to be willing to do it. Many people enjoy holding on to these things because if they let go of them and get free in Christ, there will be no pity for them. They won't be able to say they're a victim anymore. Many people enjoy that attention instead of enjoying the freedom that Christ gives. So after being prayed over, trauma was gone. But there was one big thing that I needed freedom from, and that's a guilty mindset. And the funny thing about guilt is guilt is uh, very selfish because we make the event about us. So I had soldiers that were killed in an attack. But I stole the attention through guilt. I made it about me instead of their sacrifice. One of the ways I got free from, from this PTSD stuff was when we were praying, one of my buddies started walking through from the time Jesus was brought to Pilate to the crucifixion and all the gory details. But at the end of his prayer, he just said, thank you for this beautiful love. And it flipped in my mind that the sacrifice that my brothers and sisters had made in combat was a beautiful love. And I was like, I want to be able to display that kind of love again. One of the problems with my medical condition was my knees. And we had a guest speaker come in and in the middle of his sermon, he said, there's someone with knee problems. And I had been struggling immensely with my knees to the point where they said I needed knee replacement surgery by the time I was 30. I'm 35 right now. I'm about to turn 36 in a couple of weeks. And I couldn't get up the stairs hardly. We had had uh, a couple kids and I was struggling keeping up with them. I went up there. I didn't want to. I was trying to avoid going up there, but he, he was very persistent. And when I went up there, he prayed over me and it just felt like there was a fire that ran through me. So I had literally just been freed from in my mind. And now I was getting freed in the physical and it felt like there was a fire in my legs and in my stomach and then the pain left it's gone I was able to jump around I was able to run I was able to keep up with my kids and the doctors are like you you barely have any cartilage in your knees and you're gonna need knee replacement surgery so I went from that to being healed 
in Jesus' name. And as I began to grow, the old desire that I had for missions started coming back. And it says, God will give you the desires of your heart if you submit to him. So I had submitted, began growing, began to be challenged, and I began to be obedient and submit. And that desire came back. And then I realized it wasn't to go into missions, but to support those who are in missions. I still want to go on missions, <laughs> but I know that's not my full-time calling to go abroad and, and be a missionary full-time, but I can support missions here locally. I can be a missionary here locally, and then I can gather funds to send overseas so people can hear what Christ has done for them, and they can experience the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And also dig wells so people can have clean water, help build schools and churches and hospitals. I want to be involved in that. I just wanted to give you the rundown, how I got to where I am today and how God can still use you if you've fallen away and turned your back on God. When you felt like he turned his back on you, he never left and that you can experience deliverance. You can experience healing. You can experience the love of Jesus come into your life and get rid of the guilt and the shame. It doesn't matter what you're carrying. You can hand it over to him. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can still use you. You can still repent and be used of God. Go read the story of King David. Go read the story of Paul in the Bible, what they did. King David was a man after God's own heart because he repented of the things that he did do. And Paul was going around killing Christians. Yet he wrote most of the New Testament because he repented and was used of God. He experienced Jesus. And then look what he did. Do not think you can't have a part to play in helping someone find Jesus and them going from hell to heaven. But there's much more to my testimony that I just don't have time to go over from my time in the military, from things going on with my family and uh, all the things in between. But I just hope that this was able to encourage you that you can find freedom and you can find deliverance in Christ alone. Love you guys, and I hope to see you on the next episode. If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ and are ready to come to God, we at Charlie Mike would like to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. But first, we want to be clear. Praying a sinner's prayer is not a ticket into heaven. These are not magic words. You must follow Christ and live for Him. You cannot receive salvation by your own merits, but by what Jesus has already done. Ask to receive the Holy Spirit to be filled and experience what God has for you. You will not live the same life and you won't be able to keep Jesus to yourself if you become a Christ follower. 1 John 2 4 tells us that the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Those commandments are to love God and to love others. If you love God, you will follow him. And if you truly love others, you will want others to experience God and give their lives to him as well. So if you are ready to pray, pray this. God, I ask for forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for me and nothing I have done wrong is too great for the power of his blood that was shed for me. I am ready to forsake the world and live a changed life because I realize how much you love me. I love you and I'm ready to live for you. If you made the decision to surrender yourself to God and follow Jesus, I encourage you to spend time daily with him in prayer, reading his word and worshiping him for who he is. Much will be revealed to you in this time with him. 
Be a part of a community of believers who grow in the fullness of God's word and join a church that does the same. Get involved and stay accountable with each other. Also, please let us know that you made this decision by emailing us at charliemike.me at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash International.